Hi, everyone, and welcome to Premier League Payoff, the soccer podcast that's part of the Total Sports 24-7 network. This is Chris Hayes, the host and producer for this podcast and all podcasts across the Total Sports 24-7 network. You can find us on X at Total Sports underscore 247. You can find archived episodes of all our podcasts across the network on our website. It's Total Sports 247 dot podbean.com you can subscribe to our newsletter at weekendweekout.substack.com and you can subscribe to the podcast network wherever it is that you listen to your favorite podcast so apple spotify tune in podbean itself and a whole host of other providers so please remember to rate review and subscribe when you get a chance it really helps us with promotion of the work that we are doing here at the network. This is going to be a pretty full episode of Premier League Payoff. We're going to do a little bit of a review of last week and talk about the table, which we like to do to set the scene for the games that are coming up for match day 27. And then we are going to cover, we'll probably do a shorter segment for each of these games because last week we only did three and this week we do have five on the docket. So the capsules might be a little bit shorter, but the episode, we do have a lot to cover. So let's get right into it. Last week, we did really well with our (laughs) shrunken slate of three games. So we had uh, Arsenal versus Newcastle facing off last week. And uh, Arsenal ended up winning that match 4-1. to And in that match we picked Arsenal to win and Bukayo Saka anytime goal scorer as a two-pick parlay for plus 175 that did hit and we also mentioned that if you were worried about whether or not Arsenal would win which we didn't think you should be but Newcastle does have a lot of firepower then just take Saka we thought he was going to score and he did so if you took Saka at plus 150 as an anytime goal scorer you were happy if you parlayed that with an Arsenal to win you got a little bit more bang for your buck now we have to talk about the loss that we had last week this is where we were just on the wrong side and we were going against what a lot of people were saying we just weren't seeing it ourselves and what most people were saying apparently was right so the Man U versus Fulham match. There were people who were picking Fulham to win as an underdog. There were uh, lots of criticism surrounding Man U's defense, particularly in, uh, not well, I should say, not just in their defensive players, but the back of their midfield positions. And it seems like those critics were right. They said there was a lot of like smoke and mirrors with the way Man U had been playing recently. Their wins didn't look like they were as solid maybe as a, a string of wins should normally look. Like they were winning a lot of games, but that wasn't telling the whole story. So our play was Man U to win and Marcus Rashford to score at plus 180. That did not hit because... Man U didn't even win. They did lose 2-1 to one against Fulham. And quite honestly, we might have been a little bit down on Fulham because we had them the week before against an Aston Villa team that we have uh, trouble figuring out. And Villa uh, did a pretty nice job in that game to win 2-1. to one. So we were we were thinking that man we weren't thinking that Manu was back quote unquote like some people were saying 
But we thought that some of the criticism against them were fairly harsh. Like, we still look at the stats in 26 matches. They've only allowed 36 goals. That's still a pretty stingy number overall in the Premier League. It's like top six or seven. So we we just thought that some of the criticism was a little over the top. Not necessarily unfounded, but maybe taken to the extreme a little bit. But... That criticism maybe was right. So uh, we did not cash in on that pick. And Manu's winning streak was snapped by uh, a Fulham team who we maybe overrated how poorly they had played away from home this year, given the challenges of their away schedule so far. So that was one that we did not hit. And then our third bet, this was a great play for us. Aston Villa versus Forest. We had both teams to score and over two and a half. And we had Ollie Watkins to score. And we also put a little bit on Ollie Watkins to score first. So both teams to score and over two and a half. That hit really early in this one. Uh, Villa ended up winning four to two. Ollie Watkins did score and he did score the first goal. So both teams to score in over two and a half was minus 115. That hit Ollie Watkins to score at plus 120. That hit. And the first goal we said to put, I forget what we said. It was either a half a unit or maybe smaller than that on Ollie Watkins for first goal at plus 400. And that also hit. So a great game overall. When you place three bets on one game and they all hit, you really understand what's going on with that specific game. So we were pretty excited about that uh, three-bet game that turned a profit for us there with Aston Villa and Forest Villa taking it 4-2. So let's talk about the top and bottom of the league. There have been some interesting storylines at both ends of the table. Then we'll revisit the championship odds is the main reason why I want to do that before we get into some of our games today. So the top teams took care of business. Top four all won last week. Liverpool winning 4-1 to one against Luton. Uh, Man City taking care of Burnmouth in a game where they didn't show a ton of life but managed to get through it. 1-0. Uh, Arsenal with another strong performance against Newcastle, 4-1. to one. And Aston Villa, the aforementioned Aston Villa, winning 4-2 to two against Forest. The teams in 5th and 6th lost, so putting uh, more distance between them to challenge for the top four. With Tottenham losing to Wolves, 2-1. to one. Not a great loss for, um, for uh, Tottenham there. And then... Man U, of course, losing 2-1 to Fulham. So top six now looks like this. Liverpool's in first with 60 points. Man City is in second with 59. Arsenal's in third with 58. So extremely tight among the top three. Then there's Villa with 52. Spurs with 47. And Manchester United is in sixth with 44 points. Spurs are the only team that has played 25 games. Everyone else has played 26. So Spurs have 47 points, but still have a game uh, additionally to play, which puts that 4-5 uh, matchup between them and Villa in a little bit more. It uh, gives a little bit more perspective to that five points. Yes, it's five points, but it could be closer if, that, if they get three points with a win uh, in the game that they have in hand. Now, when we talk about the top three, 
This is going to be, I think, uh, a championship race that goes down to the final few weeks with the form that each of these clubs is showing. Liverpool has won four of five. Man City has won four of five with a draw. And Arsenal has won five in a row. So they're all racking up points in the league. The point differential story is still there. And again, I talked about this at the beginning of last week's episodes, and I still haven't heard a lot of conversation about this story and how it could come into play as a tie breaker. The largest goal differential right now is Arsenal. They sit in third. Their goal differential is plus 39. Liverpool's is plus 38. And Man City's is plus 33. So Man City, if they continue to give up goals at the rate that they're doing, about one per game, then they're going to have to score like they did against Luton in the middle of this week where Erling Alon put up five of the team's six goals. They're going to have to score more, it feels like, Man City to get that goal differential into the first place position among these three given the rate at which they give up goals. So we will see if that becomes a storyline as we get closer towards the end of the season in the next, say, six, seven weeks if people start talking about it. But I think it's certainly something to pay attention to. We'll revisit the championship odds from last week in a moment. I want to touch upon what's going on at the bottom of the table first before we get to that. The bottom of the table has become a little bit less interesting, unfortunately, because there was a development this week with Everton where they were initially docked 10 points following a breach of the Premier League's profitability and sustainability rules. We've talked about this a few times on the show. Their appeal was reviewed and the decision was made to award four points back to Everton. So instead of being deducted 10 points, they have now been deducted just six. So that vaulted them into 15th place. They're still not out of the woods by any means yet, and they're not playing great. They're not really losing. They're getting a lot of draws, which is interesting. So they're getting point by point by point. They are at 25 points in 15th place. Their goal differential is minus six. They have draws in four of their last five, including a draw against uh, Everton back on, or sorry, against uh, Spurs back on February 3rd. So they are six points uh, in the negative on the point differential, which puts them ahead of Brentford, who is in 16th place with 25 points. Brentford's lost three in a row. Their goal differential is minus 11. And then in 17th place is Forrest. So Forrest is the one that is most in danger of relegation at this stage that is not in relegation. And they lost to Villa, uh, as we talked about last week. So they have 24 points uh, sitting in 17th. Luton was the big loser in this one because they are now much closer to relegation than it looked a couple of weeks ago. They have just 20 points on the season. Their goal differential is minus 16, and they are losers of three straight with a, a, a loss to Sheffield United that they really could not afford back on the 10th, and then a loss to Manchester United where they played decently but did not uh, manage a second goal after a flurry of activity in the first part of that game. And then... 
They played okay for a half against Liverpool before Liverpool pulled away in the second half with four goals to win that one four to one. Burnley and Sheffield United really are not a story at all, unfortunately. it's They seem destined for relegation. Both of these teams have played 26 games. Both of them have only won three times. Both of them have lost 19 and both have drawn four. So they seem to be on their way out with Luton fighting to get back above the cut line and hoping that Nottingham Forest slips up for the rest of the season. Fortunately, Nottingham Forest has Liverpool this week, but Luton has a tough one against Villa, and those will be two of the matches that we talk about in our game breakdowns. So we talked a little bit about the championship odds last week, and the odds have moved, and... I want to put out there that if you like Man City to win the league, this might be your week to take them because this could be the week that they are uh, plus odds to win the league. It might be the only week left in the season, depending on how the rest of these teams go, that they will be at plus odds. So the championship odds right now on DraftKings are Man City plus 110, Liverpool's 2-1, to one, and Arsenal's 3-1. to one. It's basically even money, 2-1 to one and 3-1, to one, practically. You know, Man City does have the plus money, though, at 110. I think you could put money on all three of these and see sort of what shakes out, and depending on denominations, you could get some profit. I still like Arsenal's odds at 3-1. to one. They are on fire, and it feels like they are gearing up towards a stretch run to get this Premier League title. It seems like it's been the most important thing for them in the past, say, couple of months. And they've shown it with just blowing teams out oftentimes with the results that we've seen. So um, I'm holding off a little bit on a, a three to one play for Arsenal. I might look around and see if there's anything even better than that. But that is your update for the championship odds. Again, this might I think this could be the last time that Man City has plus odds on the season if they continue to win. Man City's plus 110, Liverpool's 2 to 1, Arsenal is 3 to 1. Okay, so let's talk about the games that we want to break down this week. And as I said, we have 5 and we have plays in all of them. The first one that we're going to talk about might be the trickiest of them all because the teams are hard to figure out. This is Brentford versus Chelsea. This game takes place tomorrow 10 a.m. Eastern time. When I talk about these odds, I will be talking about DraftKings odds for simplicity and consistency, but remember, we always encourage you to look at other books like BetMGM, Caesars, DraftKings, uh uh, FanDuel, what have you, right? Just go ahead and look wherever it is to see what you have for best odds. But for comparison's sake, among all the different games and for consistency, we are, again, we use DraftKings for all these odds. So Brentford is plus 205. The draw is plus 290 and Chelsea is plus 120. Chelsea to me is the hardest team to figure out in the league. I I think I've said this on the pod before, but I was so high on them to begin the season. I thought that they would certainly challenge for top four status given the breadth of talent that they have across the board, but it just has not materialized this year. They have difficulty keeping teams off the scoreboard. And when you look at a team like Brentford, they've played better since the return of Ivan Tony, and they do score at home. 
They have uh, a track record of uh, doing so, but they they also let up so many goals. They uh, when you look at their goal uh, story this year, right? They have let up forty eight goals in twenty six games. Now, given the abundance of scoring in the league this season, that's not actually the worst number. When you look at teams at the bottom, uh, Nottingham's let up 48, Luton 51, Burnley 58, and Sheffield 66. So they're not the worst, but they're, I mean, they're bottom five in the league. And it's more than what they let up all of last year. So they are a sieve, basically, in net and... um, it feels like the fans there in Brentford are getting, they're just like wondering what's going on, right? They're concerned about the direction of the team and they just can't seem to get it in gear and be at least be further away from relegation stage. It feels like they want to be like where um, Brighton is and where Wolves are, Fulham. Like they want to be in the mix with those mid-level Premier League teams where they can steal a win from the top six every now and then, take care of business among the bottom, and see if they can level up every couple of years to get into Champions League, Europa, or something like that, right? That's what it feels like, Brentford, where they want to get to. And sometimes it feels like they have the offensive firepower to do so. Again, especially with Tony. They're 11th in the league in goals, so it's right in the middle of the league, but that, I mean, they're, the, goals, the goals against story is just so bad. So they will not be able to get to where they want to be if that continues. And when we look at Chelsea, like I said, they do have a ton of offensive firepower across the board. They have shown, I think, uh, glimmers of ability. Uh, not just in Premier League play recently, but not even in Premier League recently, but uh, with their uh, play in uh, uh, other European leagues. They did have a nice win on the 12th against Crystal Palace, 3-1. to one. So they, they're, they're so up and down. They played really well against Man City uh, in their last Premier League game where they managed to draw 1-1. I think that with the way Brentford lets up goals, that Chelsea will be able to score. That's something that I feel pretty confident in. And so here are the plays that I'm going to recommend. I think Chelsea over one and a half goals combined with over two and a half goals for the game is going to be the play. So the two-pick parlay is Chelsea over one and a half goals and game total over two and a half goals. That results in a play of minus 115. So that's going to be our play. When we look at how they played in the FA Cup recently against Leeds, we saw Nicholas Jackson emerge at the beginning of that match. Connor Gallagher got them into the quarterfinal with a goal in the 90th minute. So Encouraging signs for Chelsea in that match, even though Leeds is uh, a level down in competition. But still, it was uh, encouraging for them to get through that and encouraging, especially, I think, for Jackson to get on the scoreboard. If you are eyeing 
a play on odds for a particular player to score. Jackson would be the one that I would have my eye on. We were super excited about him coming into the season, and it feels as if he's starting to pick it up a little bit. We're not going to play it for this one just because there are a lot of candidates, we think, to score in this one for Chelsea against the Brentford team that likes to let up goals. But he is at plus 170 for an anytime score. So we wouldn't hate that play. But again, we're not recommending it. But we are encouraged by what we've seen from him on the pitch recently. Our second match to cover is Forest against Liverpool. This is also at 10 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Odds on DraftKings are Forest plus 475. The draw is plus 370. Liverpool is favored minus 190. So let's talk about what's going on with Liverpool. It is a very interesting story for Liverpool off the pitch. They have a lot of superstar players coming up for new contracts. Specifically, Mo Salah, Virgil van Dijk, and Trent Alexander-Arnold. They have expressed, according to the Sun newspaper in the UK, that signing these three is a top priority moving forward. In addition to that, we know that manager Jurgen Klopp, widely recognized one of the best managers in the world, announced that he would be leaving at the conclusion of the season. So who is going to replace him is still in flux, and what these top three players are going to do is still a question. There have been rumors spread on social media, particularly by former Tottenham player Mito, who, I don't even know if it's Mito, it might be Mido. I think it's Mito, but I haven't been following soccer for that long, so apologize if that is not right. Mito, I'm going to say. He posted on X, quote, Mohamed Salah will be in the Saudi league next season. Contracts have been signed. That is a couple days ago. Now, that has not been substantiated. No one has said that that is what is happening. And again, Liverpool has put out there that signing Salah is a top priority. And if it is a top priority, can they keep everyone happy with the unit they have currently or people going to transfer? And there is talk specifically, according to The Sun, that their star... Um, their star goal scorer, Luis Diaz, is someone who is likely going to transfer. And he has been garnering a lot of interest from teams in the Spanish League. So we will see what takes place after the season with Liverpool. But all of this noise can create a sense of urgency to win now in case, quote unquote, the band gets broken up, right? If all these players don't get signed, or if they do, losing Diaz or other players to transfer, but also the fact that Klopp is leaving, all of this creates a win-now mentality that should be considered when thinking about plays for Liverpool the rest of the season. I think that is an important factor to consider where their mindset is, whether they are together being like, we need to win this now, this is our final chance or whether they're thinking individually about their futures and getting 
distracted and not focusing on the mission of winning the championship this year. So that is a story to watch between now and the end of the year. Uh, we will see who is healthy for this game. It sounds like maybe everybody will be back for this match, except potentially uh, Dominic Sobislai. He might not be playing, but uh, he could be as well. So we'll see. Salah is expected to play. Alexander Arnold is expected to play. And they should have a full complement of players. Like, like I said, Sobislai less so. I'm confident that he will play, but that to me is a sign that they're ready to win now. That if people are at 80, 85% and they're willing to play, that to me is a good sign. Liverpool on the season has won 16 of 18 outside the top seven. And yeah, Forrest falls outside the top seven for sure. So what's going to be the play in this game? We're going to go with Liverpool and both teams to score. Uh, Liverpool on the money line and both teams to score with a play of plus 150. We really like this play a lot. We think that Forrest has you know, the ability to put up one goal in this match. And we think that Liverpool has the ability to concede one goal in this match. Even when they're beating teams up. Like Luton, four to one, Brentford, four to one, Burnley, three to one, right? So they're letting up goals game by game. And uh, Forrest is scoring goals, right? It, their last five, when we look at their most recent form two to one loss against Arsenal, one one draw against Burnmouth, three two loss to Newcastle, two nil win against West Ham, four two loss to Villa. So it's not as if they're not scoring goals. They are. They've scored in their last five. Liverpool's let up goals in their last five. So that is a play we like. Um, if you want to go for an anytime scorer, we do think that Diaz is the play at plus 180. We're going to stay off of it given the uncertainty of uh, the entirety of the roster. So our official play for the pod is going to be Liverpool and both teams to score at plus 150. Our favorite play, if you want to go with an anytime score, is Luis Diaz, but we're not going to play it. Our third match features Tottenham against Crystal Palace. This is also at 10 a.m. on Saturday, tomorrow. Tottenham's minus 200. The draw is plus 270. Crystal Palace is plus 550. Crystal Palace is in a very interesting spot right now franchise wide from a franchise standpoint they had a great performance against Burnley in their last match 3-0 and it was the first match with their new manager Oliver Glasner now Palace fans have been very upset recently with the direction of the team and according to um BBC Right. They did an interview with co-owner John Texter. John Texter is the former executive chairman of Fubo, Fubo TV. And he has, from my understanding, he essentially has a holdings company where he has bought majority stakes and teams across the world. And so uh, Crystal Palace is one of those teams. 
Again, he is a co-owner of Crystal Palace. He has majority stakes in teams like Lyon in France, Botafogo in Brazil, RWD Molenbeek in, in Belgium, and then a prep academy in Florida that he calls FC Florida Prep Academy, which provides professional coaching and a pathway to college for boys and girls. So he has uh, stakes in all of those teams through his uh, holding company, Eagle Football Holdings Limited. He also claims credit. So he's been a, a co-owner for Crystal Palace since 2021. And it's interesting. He claims a lot of credit. At least it seems like a lot of credit in this interview for uh, bringing in center back Mark Guehi from Chelsea and then Michael Olise, uh, who uh, was rumored to go a whole host of places uh, prior to the season this year. But man, it stayed, man, they kept him, which was kind of a miracle. He stayed with Crystal Palace, probably their most creative player, um, very sought after in the transfer market prior to this season. So the interesting thing is those two players in particular, right? Both of them had aggravated injuries in a 4-1 loss that they suffered at the hands of the seventh place team, Brighton. And that took place uh, just about a month ago on February 3rd. So uh, when that happened, um, it was determined that Guehi needed surgery. And he is now expected to miss six to eight weeks. And the Daily Mail termed this complications to a knee issue. And with Michael Olise, he re-aggravated a hamstring injury in that loss. And he's expected to be sidelined probably for about another two months. Same match. And it's very interesting that both of them were hurt and played and got hurt again. And it feels as if that was maybe the tipping point to change ownership, to replace Roy Hodgson and get a new uh, manager in there. And Glasner's first match was the Burnley match where they won 3-0. to zero. He has a career record across uh, European leagues. This is pretty strong for Oliver Glasner here. 187 wins, 91 draws, and 105 losses with a plus 180 goal differential in 383 games. So a very good record. And Texter described Glasner as a modern manager who manages everything about the player to the point where he stresses conditioning, maybe over tactical play, so that um, you see fitness levels increase and improve to the point where uh, they hold up well over the rigors of a long season, a season that could overlap into uh, multiple competitions. And so the, he, at least in this interview, was very much encouraged by their uh, by the signing of Glaster and how that could take Palace into a new direction, especially given the philosophies that are different from Glasner and the previous regime, which was considered to be a pretty old school kind of regime, one that would sort of sit back and wait for opportunities rather than seize them. And so it could usher in a new era of Crystal Palace football here. Uh, maybe not the through this year, 
but into next year, potentially giving this fan base a lot of optimism. But they really don't like this guy, Texter, at all. Um, they blame him, it feels like, for a lot of the struggles that Palace has shown over the last couple of years, basically since his ownership. And his response is, look, I don't manage this team. I am a co-owner based on my majority shareholder status, but I'm not making day-to-day -day decisions. He's, he basically said, I didn't hire this manager, right? He said um, in the interview that this wasn't his call either, right? He said he approved of it, but he said the co-owner and chairman Stephen Paris made his own decision on Oliver Glasner to hire him, and that was that. So I think Palace could be a team to watch maybe more next year and we'll see how they finish out the season. Hopefully they can build some good wins and get some optimism going into next year to turn that uh, raucous <laughs> fan base around and get them uh, supporting the team more, uh, more in a way that we just haven't seen uh, in recent history with Crystal Palace. On the plus side for Crystal Palace, Despite these injuries that we talked about, they are getting their star midfielder, Eberreche Assay, back. He's missed three weeks with a hamstring injury. And before that hamstring injury, he plays, his last match was played on the 30th of January. And he scored two goals in a 3-2 match against Sheffield. So um, he's a dynamic player and one that they certainly have missed the last few weeks. And one that they sorely need given the absence of Olise and Gwechi. So they are... He's been sorely missed, and they very much welcome him back. So what's going to happen with this match? We very much like players coming back and choosing them to score. And as they's uh, anytime scorer odds are 3-1 to one on DraftKings, we're going to take that as our first play for this one. So Eberechi SA, uh, anytime scorer, plus 300. We also like both teams to score and over 2.5 goals. At minus 125. Tottenham's one of the most aggressive teams in the league. And they've only put up five clean sheets on the year. So that feels like a play that is almost a given. So both teams to score an over minus 125. And then um, probably a smaller bet. Maybe a half a unit on this Eberechi is a uh, anytime score plus 300. Our fourth match is Luton versus Aston Villa. Luton, as we discussed, is now in the relegation status given the points that were given back to Everton. Odds on this one are Luton and the draw are both plus 340. Aston Villa, the team that I have trouble figuring out, their favorite at minus 145. Luton can score. That is for sure. 13 home matches. They have 19 goals. And... They play aggressive. I, I, we don't want to uh, over-concern mm, ourselves. We don't want to be worried about the way they played against uh, Manchester City in that 6-2 loss. They were aggressive the whole time, and their main focus really should be staying out of relegation. That match against Man City, like it doesn't even really matter. Because it was outside of Premier League. It, so so th that's not what their focus is right now. Their focus is to win matches in the Premier League or at least get points to try and catch up to Nottingham and Brentford and get out of relegation status. They don't need to worry about Burnley and Sheffield. I don't think that either one of them is going to catch them. Uh, 
catch Luton. I think it's either 18th or 17th, really, for Luton at this point. So that's where their focus and energies and efforts really are. So I'm not at all looking at that match and, and thinking anything about this Luton team or anything about Man City for that matter. So further into this match, uh, Ollie Watkins is one of our favorite players. We hit on him last week. We're going to go with him again, but uh, we're not going to go with him as an anytime scorer this time. Well, <laughs> maybe we might. We might. Uh, well, the odds that we like, though, for him are uh, four or more shots. He's taken 25 shots in his last six games, and we think against Luton, this match is going to be up and down for 90 minutes. So we like four or more shots for Ollie Watkins at plus 110. That's one of our favorite plays overall uh, uh, of the slate. And so that's definitely a bet that we're going to take. And uh, anytime score, we will actually take it again. We like these plus 120 odds. It's the same for last week, and he scored within the first five minutes. So um, we like we like this. Villa scored in 23 of 26 matches. And so uh, we can't imagine that Watkins isn't going to get his opportunity in this game. And uh, we like those odds. For Luton, uh, the player that we're going to go with for an anytime score is Carlton Morris. He has four goals in his last six matches in the Premier League since the turn of the calendar year. And at plus 225, when we think Luton will score... Uh, we like those odds a lot. We, we're a little bit uh, leery of some of the game odds for this one. Both teams to score is minus 210, but we didn't know what to pair that with because the total goals line is pretty tricky. Under 3.5 is minus 135, and over 3.5 is plus 110. We don't we're not sure. We think it could be on either side. We could see a 2-2 draw in this one. We could see a 2-1 win for Villa. I don't know that there'll be an upset. We could see 3-1. There's a lot of different possibilities surrounding that 3.5 number where we're going to stay away, which is why we're going the individual player route with goal scoring. So we like Ollie Watkins at plus 120, but again, the better play that we like is four or more shots at plus 110, and then Carlton Morris, again, who has four goals in his last six matches, we're going to take a flyer on him at plus 225, anytime score. Our final match, this is that uh, on Peacock, Sunday, 10.30, Man City versus Man United. The odds are insane. Man City's minus 390. Draws plus 550 and Man U is plus 950. This is where I do a complete 180 on Man U. This feels like a game where, like I said, with this goal differential story, maybe no one's talking about it in the media, but I think Man City sees it. They know they're going to have to get goals and goals and goals to keep pace with the goal differentials that Arsenal, number one, and Liverpool, number two, have posted for the year. They've got to score. And we think that they will. We also think, at the very least, yes, Man United, their defense has been quite vulnerable. Harry Maguire is not going to play in this game either, which, depending on what you think of Harry Maguire, could be good or bad. But at the very least, they have a talented front 
you know, they've got talented forwards. We think that they can score in this match against Man City with uh, Rasmus Hoyant, Rashford, and Alejandro Garnacho. We think among the three of them, somebody's got to get one in the net. So, and, and with Bruno Fernandes uh, running around the pitch, we, we, we think that there's, we, we don't think that Man U is going to get shut out. We really don't. Uh, but that's the only positive that we have for them in this match. Man City's getting healthier. It's kind of uh, more challenging to figure out who to play in terms of any time goal score outside of Erling Alon. Let me tell you some of these odds here. Um, we're not recommending any of these, but I just want you to want to give you the picture of what we have going on for Man U right now. <laughs> Erling Alond anytime goal scorer is minus 200. That's ridiculous. Phil Foden is plus 170. Julian Alvarez is plus 170. Jack Grealish is plus 200. Bernardo Silva is plus 260. Uh, De Bruyne is plus 330. Jeremy Doku, who we like a lot, not necessarily right now, but for the future. Uh, Jeremy Doku is plus uh, 300. So there's a lot of different odds to play here. And because so many players for City are back, and it seems like they are n nearly at full health, that almost makes us want to stay away from these anytime scorer odds and just say a lot of goals are going to be scored on the Man City side and we're going to go with a play in that direction. So we have a three-pick parlay for this one. We have Man City on the money line. We said we think Man U will score, so we're going both teams to score and we're going with Man City over two and a half goals. So combining those three will get you odds of plus 210 and that's going to be our play for this match. So, to review our plays for uh, match day 27 on this episode of Premier League Payoff, in our first match, Brentford versus Chelsea, we are going uh, over two and a half total goals and Chelsea over one and a half goals with a two-pick parlay of minus 115. For the second match, Forrest Versus Liverpool, we are going Liverpool and both teams to score at plus 150. For Tottenham versus Crystal Palace, we are going both teams to score and over two and a half goals at minus 125. And we're putting a smaller play on Eberechi SA to score anytime plus 300. Luton versus Aston Villa. We are going with Ollie Watkins, four or more shots at plus 110, and anytime scorer at plus 120. And we're also going with Carlton Morris, anytime scorer plus 225. And then for Man City and Man U, we are going with Man City on the money line, both teams to score, and Man City over two and a half goals, a three pick parlay of plus 210. So that'll do it for this week's episode of Premier League Payoff. Enjoy the matches this weekend. The stories are heating up, getting more and more interesting, and the matches should follow. So I'm excited to watch the action this weekend, and we will be back next week with another episode to talk about Match Day 28. Until then, enjoy the matches. Thanks for listening.